0: Business
1: News Power Hour. Well, it's a warm welcome to you this 18th of November. The Thursday means it's the last episode of the Power Hour for the week, and we look forward to giving you something exceptional this Thursday evening. I had a lengthy discussion today with Herman Mashaba, the founder of Action SA. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock, the political parties that could uh, displace the ANC in the major metros in Gauteng, that's Johannesburg, Chwani, and Ukuralini, will be meeting to decide whether they can work together. And they've called a press conference for 11 o'clock tomorrow to let us know whether or not they've been able to overcome their egos. And the discussion with Herman Mashaba today was very insightful. And remember, this is a guy who's a very successful businessman, who started a political party which has performed way beyond any expectations. He's a former mayor of Johannesburg. And after you've heard him today, you'll realize that Mashaba has got far greater ambition uh, for the country as a whole and Action SA, which only contested in six metropoles during this uh, past election, is now looking to go nationwide in 2024. The political landscape in South Africa is being changed. It has been disrupted by a party that appeals across all income groups and uh, colour groups, and in its very first election did extraordinarily well. The man who drives it, we'll be taking up the second half of our program today. But before we get there, we've got lots of other information to talk to you about. Justin, you had a chat today, uh, Justin Roe Roberts, that is, my colleague, uh, had a chat today with Koki Koiman. Uh, what was the thrust of that conversation?
2: Monetary Policy Committee meeting today, the South African Reserve Bank has hiked rates by 25 basis points. The repo rate is now 3.75% instead of what it was, which was 3.5%. That's a huge impact for the economy, for homeowners and lenders that need to repay loans back to the bank. And generally, when you do hike uh, interest rates, it does mean that the economy will begin to slow. Inflation is starting to pick up, which has been a concern. CPI and PPI figures have come out hotter than expected, and hence the governor of the Reserve Bank has hiked rates by 25 basis points. And Kweke Koyman tells us exactly what we need to know with regards to that rate hike.
1: Brilliant. And he is the the country's top financial services analyst, has been for many, many years. You couldn't find a better person to give you the consequences thereof. And looking back on the past week, Jared Neves,
3: can you tell us what was the most read story on the Business Network? So, on the website business.com, our most enjoyed story, our most read story, was a review of the Mitsubishi Pajero Sport titled uh, Fortuna Fighter uh, is Severely Underrated.
1: And you say that uh, with such modesty in your voice. It's so unusual for a, a car review to be uh, top of the pops in a business website. But, my goodness, uh, you you set the fire under our community on that one. Why do you think it was it's so popular, Jared?
3: Well, I think, you know, the Toyota Fortunate enjoys a really great popularity with South African consumers. So people are looking for alternatives, something different, something to stand out uh, from the crowd but that still offers great value in that segment.
1: Is it a kind of car that you would, Justin, like to own or aspire to own or indeed do own?
2: I do not own a Fortuna, uh, unfortunately, own an Opel Astra. I am looking to get a new car, although I do think a Fortuna might be a little bit out of my price bracket, maybe in the years to come, Alec.
1: What does it cost, Jared?
3: So uh, the Mitsubishi that I drove, the Pajero Sport, is just under 685,000 Rand. Sounds like a lot of money, but when you consider what you're getting, seven seats, off-road ability, comfort, luxury, and nothing's optional. It, it starts to make sense for that type of buyer. They'd like a true petrol head. Well done, Jared.
1: Okay, so what, <laughs> what are our community listening to? What was the top podcast of the past week?
3: So the most popular podcast was an interview uh, done by Justin uh, with Asif Muhammad speaking on Rishmand. Uh, Basically, uh, I'm sure Justin will be able to give a far better summary than I would. But he speaks to us after the company added, I think, 100 billion rand in market value last week, Friday. Lots
2: happening at Richmond. Firstly, activist investor Daniel Lubb has got involved. Whether Johan Rupert will play ball with what Daniel Lubb has to say. He's a very famous international activist investor in New York. Otherwise, they released great results. And then on top of that, there's lots happening with their online platform. Asif Muhammad really says there's something interesting there. There's going to be some deal with Fartech, which is another e-commerce platform that really could unleash the goods for for Richmond in, in the years to come.
1: Yeah, and investors have been very unhappy about the way that the online platform has not progressed towards profitability and has just been a drain on the company. Now by giving it to the whole luxury industry, I guess, uh, they, they quite like the idea that it won't be that, difficult for shareholders to fund into the future. Jared, what about YouTube? What is is top of the pops on Business TV?
3: So viewers are still enjoying uh, your interview Alec with Nadia the post budget summary.
1: Pretty extended discussion Nadia. Clearly we did manage to press the right kind of buttons there after the mini budget.
4: Yeah, I think we did, but I think what was of maybe particular interest was the fact that the tables were turned. You know, you were the one like answering questions and not the one asking them. It certainly was very interesting for me to have like you know the interviewer <laughs> seat with you, but yeah, I mean, there was some really nice. It was sort of like the the intangible, non-data related impression that made it so special. Mm.
1: Well, Nadia Swart is up in a moment with the day's headlines. RightRock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity, and the markets aren't any different. The daily movement in the markets means change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Okay, Nadia, that's your
4: cue. Eskom CEO André Deraita says that Eskom is investigating suspicious circumstances surrounding the breakdowns of several power stations. Paraphrasing a principle known as Hanlon's Razor, Deraita said he always tries to assume good faith. My fundamental point of departure has always been not to attribute to malice what can be explained by incompetence, the ESCOM chief said in an online briefing. However, ESCOM recently had an incident where three units at Matimba power station went down simultaneously. Asked what the motive of such sabotage might be, Deraita said it is dangerous to speculate. We should avoid irresponsible speculation and should also avoid creating an atmosphere of paranoia. Doraita stated that they had been met with resistance from the syndicates that have benefited from corruption inside ISCOM. COVID-19 tender issues continue unabated as response from authorities remains scarce and implicated companies remain in business with the government. SARS has pu- published a list of companies that have been convicted and sentenced for dodging taxes on COVID-19 contracts, but many escaped with a slap on the wrist fine of as little as 4,000 rand. Several companies have been tied to individuals who scored hundreds of millions of rands in contracts for fogging and unnecessary sanitization at Gauteng schools. While authorities say that action is being taken, no disclosure reports have been published and on the face of it, nothing is being done. And today marks the 14th day after the local election results were declared and serves as the deadline for municipalities to elect or set up dates to elect new leadership. Councils can convene a meeting and postpone it to a later date. However, despite the looming deadlines, many hung municipalities have still not reached any coalition agreements, and some major metros like Johannesburg and Chwane still haven't found any stable ground. Despite claims from political parties that the electorate would be placed at the forefront of negotiations, most discussions have degenerated to horse trading and bickering over political positions and who gets to be in power. And now it's back to Justin for the Market Report.
2: Thanks, Nods. The JSE All Share Index was lower near the 70,700 mark. In the currency markets, the rand was weaker against all the major currencies to 15 rand, 75 cents to the dollar, 21 rand, 20 cents to the pound, and 17 rand, 85 cents to the euro. Gold is lower at $1,855 an ounce. Kruger rand will cost you around 30,000 rand. Brent crude is lower, trading at $79.70 a barrel. And Bitcoin is up, trading around 930 rand per coin. In the financial news, Investec wants to distribute a 15% stake in 91 to its shareholders. Investec was the parent company of 91 before the two businesses demerged in 2020. Investec currently holds 25% shareholding in 91. After distributing the 15% stake, the group will hold only 10% of the asset manager's stock. The distribution of shares will be subject to regulatory, shareholder and other approvals. Investec initially intended to sell its 10% stake in 91 before it demerged with Investec Asset Management. It wanted to use the proceeds to raise more capital for its UK business. And the South African Reserve Bank Mo- Monetary Policy Committee has increased the repo rate by 25 basis points to
1: 3.75%. This daily market report was made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes.
5: Today is Thursday, November 18th, and this is your FT News Briefing. As gas prices continue their ascent, Joe Biden fingers American oil companies, and Europe's common currency falls to a low point against the dollar. Plus, some electric vehicle companies haven't sold a single car, but they have bigger market caps than the world's leading automakers. What gives? The very short answer is that it's completely crazy. There you have it. The FT's Peter Campbell will talk more about what investors might be thinking. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need. Now, if you've filled up your gas tank lately, you know that prices at the pump are surging. We've reported on supply and demand causes. Now, President Joe Biden wants U.S. regulators to investigate leading oil companies to see if they're engaging in potentially illegal conduct that's leading to higher fuel prices. Here's the FT's Lauren Fedor in Washington.
0: So in this letter that the president uh, sent to the FTC chair, he identified a couple of things. The main issue that he's flagging here is that he believes that profits for these companies are going up, their costs are going down, and yet prices for consumers are rising pretty fast. Um, and as a result, the White House is basically saying something doesn't add up here.
5: Lauren, Biden's called on OPEC, the oil producing group, to Produce more oil to ease price pressures and the oil alliance has basically, you know, ignored him. So is what Biden's doing now a populist move to show American voters he's trying something else to deal with the rising fuel prices?
0: Sure. You know, the, the White House would push back on that, on that suggestion. Um, but it is undeniable that the president is under a lot of political pressure here at home when it comes to consumer prices broadly. We talk a lot about inflation. Um, but also gas prices, petrol prices specifically, you know, a lot of Americans use their cars every day to get around. Uh, more of them are going to get, be getting behind the wheel as the holiday season approaches. It's also getting colder and people are going to be paying more to, fuel their houses and keep their houses warm, all of which is leading the White House to want to push back and kind of suggest at the very least that they are doing something to address consumer concerns.
5: Lauren Fedor is the FT's Washington Correspondent. In financial markets, all the fretting and betting over what central banks will do with monetary policy seems to have spilled over from the bond markets to currency markets. This week, the euro sharply dipped against the dollar. Yesterday, it sank to less than $1.13. That's a 16-month low against the greenback. It also sank against the British pound. This is happening because currency traders are betting that the European Central Bank is going to stick to its current loose monetary policy, even as U.S. and U.K. policymakers indicate they're going to raise interest rates to counter inflation. The ECB has been pushing back against market expectations that it, too, will lift borrowing costs next year. One bank analyst said the market is positioning for a divergence between the Fed and the ECB. Another currency strategist says markets have finally cottoned on to the fact that central banks won't all move together at the same pace. This week, the stock market value of the upstart electric truck maker Rivian surpassed the market capitalization of the world's largest car maker Volkswagen. Now, if that seems odd to a lot of people, consider that Volkswagen sold millions of cars last year and made billions of euros in net profit, while Rivian has not sold a single vehicle and made essentially nothing. And it's not just Rivian. Another unproven electric car maker called Lucid surpassed the market value of Ford. So what's going on here? Our global motor industry correspondent, Peter Campbell, explains.
6: The very short answer is that it's completely crazy. I mean, by any sort of measurable way that you try and measure companies, whether it's on earnings or revenues or or anything, really. But what the market seems to think at the moment is that pure play electric car makers should be valued very, very high levels, much higher than traditional automotive companies. You know, there might be reasons why you think in the future they should be very highly valued. Rivian has very deep links with Amazon. Uh, It has huge orders to provide trucks to Amazon. And so you might think that being the favoured in-house provider to one of the world's biggest logistics companies is a very good long-term thing, and it might be. But the company still has a lot of execution risk. It still hasn't made vehicles. It still has all of the hurdles Tesla had to overcome around ramping up customer service, uh, high-volume manufacturing around managing supply chains. It still has those mountains to clear.
5: So, Peter, one thing I keep in the back of my mind is something that our colleague Patrick McGee told us about Tesla passing the $1 trillion mark, and that is, if you look at Tesla as a car company, its valuation doesn't make any sense, right? But if you look at it as a tech company that got in early and dominated the field they're in, the crazy-looking market cap makes a bit more sense. You know, what, what do you think of that?
6: I think that's right, because I think some people have tried to justify the Tesla valuation and have said, well look at what they're doing in software, look at the potential number of vehicles they could put their software into, look at all the different things they're doing that go beyond and above the traditional auto business of making some cars in a factory and selling them to some people. And the big question that you have is is whether other companies coming into the space should automatically be valued in that way, whether or not they've shown a lead in software, whether or not they've shown that they may have some autonomy product that might in the future be interesting. And so what, we, what we're what we getting from the Rivian IPO and what we've had from the Lucid listing is an indication actually that the market is really interested in them in just being a pure-player electric vehicle company, far more than, than anything else around software or any other potential uh, revenue streams they might have coming in. I mean, just to give one example, Volvo listed recently, and it is quite likely that Polestar, which is a sub-brand of Volvo that is owned by Volvo – When it lists, Polestar is likely to have a higher market cap than Volvo, which is its own parent company, which is, again, by any measure, a little bit on the crazy side.
5: Peter Campbell is our global motor industry correspondent. One of America's most famous sports and entertainment arenas is getting a new name. The Staples Center in Los Angeles, now named after an aging office supply chain, will soon be called Crypto.com Arena. The Singapore-based cryptocurrency platform agreed to pay more than $700 million for the naming rights on the arena for the next 20 years. But it could take a while for locals to get used to the new name.
7: The Staples Center in L.A., I mean, it's actually really hard to talk about it by any other name because it is so ingrained in the community and landscape.
5: That's our sports business correspondent, Sarah Germano.
7: The Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, all of the sports teams that play there. And so it it really strikes a nerve with people when you talk about a name change because it, it makes
5: you change your own vocabulary. Sarah's been monitoring local reactions, and she says it's a mixed bag. So far, the local consensus
7: in Los Angeles is, instead of calling it the crypto.com arena, to call it the crypt as a bit of a play on words and a little bit of a cheeky reference to some local gang activity in L.A. Um, But there's also been a fair amount of people who have responded and said, you know, Basically, to paraphrase, like it was born the Staple Center. I'm going to keep calling it the Staple Center.
5: The new name is a boon for the venue's owners. They say they'll use the proceeds to upgrade the facility. And it's a huge win for the company trying to stand out in the fast growing crypto industry. Sarah says crypto.com is now the talk of the town. And, you know,
7: you don't pay $700 million for these naming rights without wanting explicitly to have people talking about your company.
5: Sarah Germano is the FT's sports business correspondent. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT news briefings.
7: How does business empower our nation? By bringing produce to our tables, giving us technology that connects us, hospitals that care for us, and the tools that shape our cities, and by backing the next generation of business owners. That's why South Africa banks on business, business banks on us. Standard Bank. It can be. Standard Bank is an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply.
2: I'm Justin Roberts of BizNews, and with me to discuss the South African Reserve Bank's Monetary Policy Committee's meeting is Denka Capital's Corky Koyman. Lots of eyes on the decision. Bloomberg forecasts a 25 basis point hike. What are the key market indicators pricing in ahead of the decision?
8: Yeah, no, I I think it's been widely telegraphed um, that it, mostly 25 is, is what is expected. They have been uh, prudent, uh, loan growth we can see in the banks is is still generally lackluster. Um, so the the inflationary pressures are coming through, but it's more because of the higher price of 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 oil or fuel, and um, and also a weaker weaker rand, which is pushing that. So you know there's not much that monetary policy can do about that. It does actually. Um, obviously help a bit in terms of RAND weakness, but uh, I think they're going to be prudent and first just hike 25
2: basis points. The accommodative monetary stance has been unprecedented all around the world with central bankers cutting rates to the lowest levels ever in many jurisdictions. At what pace do these rate hikes start kicking in? Will it be every meeting or will it be more of a slow, gradual lift of rates as we go into 2022 and 2023?
8: Yeah, Justin, you know, Obviously, because of our our global funds, we we, we talk to to players and specifically on my side, banks and insurers globally, and, and we read a lot of the research. And, you know, you cannot open your emails in the morning at the moment without reading of inflationary pressures being stronger uh, in whatever country you're opening it up at the moment, you know, there's it, just inflationary pressures coming through uh, because of the supply disruptions that happened during COVID and the demand coming through stronger and also on the labor side. So um, most commentary now believes that you know, inflation won't be that transitionary um, and that will be here for longer and that means that your central banks will have to start hiking interest rates because they they are behind the curve. So the risk central banks are taking that interest rates and inflation pushes through stronger and then they have to do catch up. So I think, you know, because it's still in such a difficult situation, we'll, we'll see gradually initially. Um, so a bit like the South African Reserve Bank, where uh, from next year we'll start seeing 25 basis point hikes and then and then more. Most emerging market countries have actually started hiking interest rates. Uh, Brazil, I think, four or five times. Russia, quite a few times. Uh, we see it in the Czech Republic. We see it even in Norway have hiked interest rates. So we've seen quite a lot of interest rate hikes. And so um, the UK was expected to hike last week. Should still come before the end of the year. US is most probably going to be the one who's slowest and we expect
2: early next year. What effects do interest rate hikes have on the banks? Will the higher interest earned by the higher rates offset lower volumes of borrowing due to a rate increase? Yeah, so
8: so the effect on the banking sector normally comes on on three specific areas. Uh, The one, as you say, is lending. Uh, If interest rates go up too sharply, uh, then that normally affects uh, lending demand for loans. And and that's normally why central banks do start hiking interest rates because they're trying to curb demand, uh, especially if the demand is causing inflation as it is at the moment. But interest rates are still coming from such a low basis. And uh, we think especially corporate uh, growth is going to come through. I don't think initially uh, higher lending rates will, will curb uh, growth. We will need quite a few more interest rate hikes towards the end of the year, maybe. The, the, so, we don't see an effect on lending, a demand for for lending. The second one is obviously if interest rates go up too much, then you start having a slowdown, you get bad debts. But we're still quite far away from that. So the third one is the one that's really positive on the banking side is uh, higher interest rates translate into uh, normally wider margins for the banks. And um, I mean, just a, a quick calculation. I took ABSA as an example. If one just takes a 25 basis point hike in interest rates. Uh, that means earnings growth without anything else after tax will be 12% higher. So they do nothing. It's simply an external factor. The Reserve Bank hikes interest rates earnings 12% higher. But okay, doesn't quite happen that way because the cost of funding also increases. So, But you can see how high interest rates uh, improve the top line um, and normally why banks do better is because the funding costs lag so you first get the revenue impact and then the cost impact coming through and secondly there's a large part on the balance sheet of banks uh, of funding that doesn't reprice just think of um your your money lying in your in your overdraft account or in your account that just lies there uh, that doesn't reprice so banks normally benefit uh, from rising interest rates and, and the benefit could be quite strong for, for two or three years.
2: Are we seeing that being priced in the bank share price at the moment? We've seen the banks really stagnate over the last three months and we're going to be going into this higher interest rate environment. Interest rates are at all time lows. They're definitely not going to go any lower. There is only one way up from that. And are the share prices reflecting Uh, a more profitable environment for the banks in the next two to three years?
8: No, (laughs) a very easy answer. I think the markets, I really think the market's getting this wrong. It's been too focused on a lot of other things. Obviously your energy, your commodity share prices, tech has done very well. So banks have sort of been forgotten. They did re-rate a bit. But compared to where they were, um, are still fairly low. I think it's also in South Africa, international investors that are just preferring to invest if they want to invest in on the financial side, rather invest in other countries where the growth is stronger. Um, we've seen strong, if you look at the US banks, they are up, I think, about 40%, 35% year to date. So they've been strong. SA banks have lagged. And you can see that in, in ABSA and, and, and net group prices to NAV, price to NAV of, of one, uh, where the average over the you know, history was often, it could be as high as 1.8, but let's say 1.5 times. So if interest rates do go as we expect, your return on capital will improve, and then we could see a 50% re-rating over the next two or three years.
2: Just while I have you, Koki, Investec released results earlier today. Uh, their results sort of outline that their higher-end clientele, which they target, have sort of been unaffected by the pandemic. Uh, it's one of the banks on the JSC that manages to fly under the radar. It's not part of the big four, but it's actually had a phenomenal performance uh, in 2021, leaving a lot of the rest of the banks behind. Why is this?
8: Yeah, so Investic was incredibly cheap, Um a lot of reasons because also you yeah, have the two jurisdictions the UK which post-Brexit was uncertain they s- seen as subscale in the UK uh South Africa had a lot of problems um but this result actually reflects the hard work that that team have done under Farney they've really turned uh done hard work you can see on the on the employee side especially in the UK they cut costs um, but everything we spoke about now is visible in this result. You can see loan growth coming through, and by the way, very very pleasing for Investec how strong the UK book grew. Uh, that's almost a 12% if you strip out the sale of Australia. So um, 12% loan growth for Investec. I think it's the highest they've ever recorded in the UK, and that was always the segment of Investec that attracted most of the criticism because they weren't getting it right. Uh, And then in South Africa, you can see loan growth is only about 3%. So you can see how our economy has just still been lagging. But again, also interest income started growing nicely and, uh, uh in fact, said that as well. As we're seeing inflationary pressures, we're seeing stronger demand. So exactly what we spoke about, uh, the the result for the next 12 months going forward will will continue the trend. So a very good result from Investec, and uh, as you say, still because it's it's sort of under the radar, it's it's uh, it's all very uh, mispriced.
1: Well, the man in the middle at the moment, certainly as far as uh, those of us who live in Johannesburg is concerned, uh, is former businessman, former mayor of Joburg, and now the head and founder of Action SA, Herman Mashaba. We haven't spoken since the election, Herman.
9: Yes, uh, what a wonderful, thank you so much, Alec, uh, and thank you for talking to me uh, after this historic elections. And, uh, you know, for us as Action SA, we feel really pride and uh, joy for, for having completely disrupted South African political landscape.
1: You have. You really have. You've disrupted it. It's, it's almost incredible to look at your results. The people came out, even though there was a significant decline in the number of voters in this election, they came out for Action SA and for you. I did the numbers and there were 38,000 people who voted for you personally as mayor uh, and voted for another party? That sends a very strong signal.
9: Well, I think, I don't know if uh, Alec, you've done your further analysis uh, because uh, because of what uh, ward cancellor ballot paper um, uh, with the IAC reducing us uh, to a logo, cost us 60,000 votes. It's abnormal in uh, it has never happened in the electoral history of this country that you can have such differential so sixty thousand votes uh, that we we lost because um, uh, people couldn't couldn't recognize us because uh, IEC for some reason decided uh, to reduce us to a logo. And it was unfortunate the electoral court uh, dismissed our application. Up to now, uh, they have not given us the reason for, for dismissing our application. We wrote to them on Monday to say, "Please, you said you will uh, give us uh, the reasons," because it's really frustrating when the court, uh, vote, uh, you know, dismisses your your application and they don't tell you why. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Uh, well, uh, I, I wish to really understand that. Uh, three weeks later. We lost a very important um, court case uh, from a legal point of view. We believe um, we, we believe we've not done anything wrong, but the court uh, said uh, they dismissed our our matter. And um, three weeks later, we've not been given the reasons why. We wrote to them on Monday. We've not heard from them.
1: I noticed that on the ballot form that yours actually say was the only party that didn't have a logo you say 60,000 votes how do you quantify how did you get to that figure
9: Yeah if I uh, like you, you look at uh, in fact one ex- interesting exercise done by by done by uh, Roth is that Davy Roth uh, you look at the differential between um, a ward councillor and a PR councillor in the history of Electoral history of South Africa you've not really had um, uh, over five percent differential whereas in this particular case you look, zoom into Action SA you get between twenty five and twenty twenty five and twenty eight percent differential. this is, it says um, um, uh, it, something like this has never happened before. And uh, uh, attributes we attribute this because people couldn't find because you know how many people that uh, we we encountered afterwards who claimed to have they couldn't older people wanted to vote for us and some people they they couldn't obviously recognize our logo because they were looking for the name and what was strange is that our name was in, in on the PR but it was not on the on the word council.
1: But if anything, that should make you more emboldened that you've done the right thing by starting Action Essay. It, it was a huge we've, – we've been with you on the journey uh, before the Biz News Conference, where you spoke at the Biz News Conference, where you went through your, uh, your primaries within the, the areas, the areas you decided that you were going to be contesting. For the most part, the pollsters put you at maybe 1% to 2% and yet look at Johannesburg.
9: Let me just sorry to come in there, Alec. I think what makes us really so proud, the new political party uh, with the IEC reducing us uh, to a logo, um, contesting only in six municipalities out of 278, we are today in South Africa, the big, we are the sixth biggest party nationally, but we only contested in six municipalities. We are bigger than political parties which were there since 1994. We only contested in six municipalities out of 278, but we are the sixth biggest political party in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, only in the six. Yeah, no, you, you take, we, we only contested in six municipalities, but uh, then you look at the global, uh, the, the global South African picture. We are the sixth biggest political party.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be getting your brains' trust. To, to think more widely, but right now, right now where we stand, uh, in those major metros, what is happening? As a businessman going into negotiations with politicians, and I, I use that because you, you've had a long and successful business career, how is it different, perhaps, in the negotiations that you, you're seeing now to what you would have been expected, uh, what you would have seen in your business career?
9: Well, I think, you know, I spent almost 35 years of my life in the business world uh, during the dark days of this country's history. And I challenge anyone to really look at my integrity dealing with um, in in the business world. Um, I'm a tough negotiator. I'm a brutal negotiator. Uh, but uh, but but every time when I negotiate a deal, it must be a deal that's a win-win for both parties. Uh, because if you negotiate a deal where you want to be the only one who wins, uh, I, I don't want to get. It's it's my nature. I don't want to get involved in a deal where I'm the winner. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, ne- the other person loses because such a deal is not sustainable. When I get into an, a negotiation, it must be a win-win for both parties um, because then you have sustainability. And I have, I have uh, uh, almost 40 years uh, of my business relationship. Obviously, the last five years being in politics, my wife and my family running my business. Uh, 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 um, empire but at the end of the day and that's a principle that my wife and uh, and my daughter runs on those principles where to my guidance to them when you do a deal please uh, do a deal where both parties win uh, don't really be greedy but I, I find something really very weird in 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 the politics I, I don't know if it's, it's an international phenomenon but i think in south africa uh, political parties uh, um, are arrogant and uh, the they want to be winners, so everyone wants to really be a winner, even when you've not really won. That that's actually quite uh, really sad uh, uh, But um, look, we're busy right now uh, in negotiations, uh, to, uh, more especially after we cause some serious, serious damage in in Gauteng, in uh, the, uh, in, in Johannesburg, Tony and Kukuleni. We caused some serious, serious damage uh, to the ANC and 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 the, and the DA um The two biggest parties at the time. I mean, we they they, they got uh, mutilated. Uh, this uh, these two political parties. And I think for us, we're really proud to be the party that, uh, Alec. I'm sure you've done your homework uh, to study the the electoral outcome. We're the only party that we can proudly say we represent South Africa, South Africans. Because if you look at uh, the action SA support, is from here in Zenten where I live. It's from Alexander across the freeway from Hali. It's in Senten. It's in Waterkloof. It's in Mamelodi. No political party in this country. You do, do your homework. Ask any uh, analyst, electoral analyst uh, to really look at a party that's an t- actual true representative of South Africa. Black, white, rich, poor. We, we, we're we the only party that can claim that. Not claim it academically or ideologically. They look at the results of... Um, our 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 performance uh, in in the VDs in Senten, in Otaklouf, uh in in Moninside in Alexander in Soweto. <laughs> so we're the only party that can claim that others they exist in one constituency. The DA will exist uh, in in the white communities. The ANC will uh, will uh, will only exist in 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 the, in, in, uh, in, uh, in the black communities none of them can claim and have the kind of support that we have.
1: But doesn't that make you patient for 2024? In other words, if you even enter a coalition now, certainly the DA is saying they don't want to enter a coalition with the ANC because they don't want the ANC to look good and then the ANC gets more votes in 2024. From Action SA, you've made this statement today. Are you now looking ahead to 2024? And I I ask this because there are many people – who believe that you'd be a good mayor of Johannesburg. But surely, with the performance that Action SA put in at these local elections, you as the leader of the party should be looking at a more of a national stage.
9: Well, Alec, uh, I can tell you now um, that uh, our 2024 project is already underway. Um, at the moment, uh, we, we have, a section SA, uh, three uh, chairpersons of the three provinces – Makosi Koza in KZN, John Moody and Johannes in Gauteng, and Feiki Mentor in Cape Town. So by the end of March of next year, I need to really have um, chairpersons on a full-time basis of the balance of the six, because 2024 we are going to contest uh, nationally. That is why for us um, uh, rushing into a coalition with, uh, with people who are not honest, it's not going to happen. We are happy to, uh, for me to serve as, a, as an ordinary ward councillor where it will give me enough time to uh, to let um, these political parties, which are, uh, some of them are criminal enterprises. I mean, to give you an example, I mean, ANC is not a political party. It's, as far as I'm concerned, it's a criminal enterprise. If um, obviously our negotiations with other parties, including the DA, do not succeed, then that's fine. We are happy to step aside and uh, afford to me the opportunity um, to, uh, to, uh, to, to really travel the length and breadth of South Africa to set up, ethical leaders, because I can tell you our success is going to depend on ethical leadership, which is rare and very difficult to find in this country at the moment. We are, I have to ensure that um, I capacitate our intelligence network to ensure that um, we are not going to be disrupted um, because we are, we are in a game where... You know, uh, it is easy to be uh, uh, sabotaged if you're not really very careful we got against uh, the IEC to make sure that um, we, we we're not going to be sabotaged including the the IEC who we don't re- obviously really trust and uh, also I like uh, as part of our 2024 project is that um, we are now going to participate in all by-elections, not only in the six municipalities, where we see an opportunity, because we are going to have by-elections, be in Pampirstadt or be in in, uh, in Cape Town or in Moy River. Every time, we, when, once we've got the structure, we've got to start building our capacity towards 2024. The luxury that we do not have... Uh, uh, in preparation for the local government elections we could not participate because we needed uh, to have strong structures now we've got strong structures we've got a very strong um, ethical voter base we don't just have a voter base we've got a, also our that our voters we're very proud about them look at our um, um, uh, our caucuses in fact uh, one of the things I says, uh, Alec um, please get your research team to really look at uh, the caucuses of Action SA in all the, the, the municipalities, compare them, do a uh, comparison of Action SA as compared to any other party, then you will see um, that we are a true representation of South Africa because we are the party of law-abiding citizens. We are white, we are black, we are Indian, we are colored, we men, we are women. And those are the people who are behind the Action essay. and I've got to really make sure that uh, we work towards uh, that. So if it means uh, we 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 don't obviously get into a, a coalition arrangement that is fragile, and uh, or enter into it, uh, uh, a relationship with people who we feel are not honest, because honesty for me it's uh, it's integrity for me it's not negotiable. Please don't uh, double cross him and mashup. Because Herman Mashaba cannot go double cross you, you know.
1: You don't survive in business, or well, not for very long, anyway, if you double cross people, when, <laughs> yeah. uh, and certainly but, don't uh, keep but your word.
9: Uh, You know, in the political environment, um, I'm sure you've read uh, the, the accidental mayor, wrote, written by Michael Burman, Joseph my uh, the chief of staff. Uh, you you really look at um, how these uh, ingenious uh, politicians can be. Uh, it's, it's actually very sad. It really breaks my heart. As a South African, 62 years of age, I lived more than half of my life under the apartheid system. 1994, I was I was a, such a proud South African. Today, I, I'm ashamed of my country. I'm ashamed of the political system that came out of uh, this. It's an embarrassment, but I'm not giving up on our country. That's For that reason, I've spoken to my family. I'm not going to leave politics until ANC is out of power.
1: Herman, looking ahead now, because you've got, you've got a, a difficult few days with the coalitions, which might break one way or another, but looking ahead, is this election telling you something? That we didn't know as South Africans before. And and what I'm getting at here is quite often white people would say, Well, I've got to vote for the DA, or black people would say, I could never vote for the DA. So the official opposition, as it was, was more, uh, almost color bound in a way. People have been looking for an alternative. Is Action SA's results showing you that it is an alternative, particularly if you now start looking into the future? And, and how you are going to be able to capitalise on the, the momentum that appears to have been created?
9: You know, one thing, Alec, uh, that was really my wish and dream, and um, the voters uh, of this country in the six municipalities where we contested, they've given me hope again that it is possible to build a non South Africa, an equitable one, and, and that people are committed to this project. Um We only had one year we launched during at the height of, 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 uh, of the COVID-19. Now we've got an opportunity to build towards 2024, that we are going to unapologetically we're going to build an unracial South Africa ethical leadership. We're going to fight corruption, we're going to fight KDAP deployment. We are going to fight uh, um, um, self-saving uh, political ambitions. We are in this game to save society, and I think people might say it's easy for me because I can financially afford to do this. But if you cannot afford uh, um, uh, to join Action SA to save society, then it's not our problem. Then don't join us. Join us because you want to save society. Because my belief, uh, like uh, in fact, yesterday I was addressing our caucus uh, in uh Ikur, and the day before in Swang, and my message to them was that. My belief, personal belief, as a God fearing person, whether you're in business or politics, when you start a a product, what you do, start a product to serve society. Then society will reward you. And look at how handsome they have been rewarded. I'm still rewarded. As I'm talking to you right now, the tills are ringing. People are buying my my cosmetics. I'm sitting here to you somewhere, the the tills are ringing 24 hours. People look because I did not really produce products for Herman Mashaba, produce products for people. And I believe the same applies to politics. And look at what happened because I committed Action SA to serve uh, the society. I created Action SA and I said to all our representatives, let us go out there and serve society because if we serve society, society will take care of us. And uh, look at what really happened. The same principle uh, is the same. So we've given South African hope. The challenge, obviously, is to maintain this, to make sure that we are not sabotaged, to make sure that um, I capacitate what I think for me coming from my world. Uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a clever person, but I'm not that fool. Is to ensure that I uh, capacitate our intelligence network to avoid a situation where people join us for the wrong reasons.
1: Help me through this thinking, but you say you are a pro-poor party, and that you've said that uh, on numerous occasions. The EFF says it's a pro-poor party. The EFF follows a socialist route. You are a former chairman of the Free Market Foundation. Am I to conclude from this that there are two routes to, to uplifting the poor, the EFF socialist approach or the Mashaba Action SA capitalist approach? Or is that just too simplistic?
9: Well, uh, I think uh, EFF's uh, policies, I mean, if you want to destroy this country, give it to the EFF uh, 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 at a national level. Because uh, fortunate enough, Alec, long before I even thought I would go into politics, I wrote a book called Capitalist Crusade. I don't know if you, you've read that book. That's uh, That the only way you can take people out of poverty is through a capitalist system. You need a, an economic uh, system particularly driven towards uh, SMMEs, create uh, a government that creates an enabling environment and the government to to leave the private sector alone. government's role is to create an enabling environment, create uh, a professional public service, create uh, and ensure that there's a rule of law in in the country. From uh, someone, obviously, I think, uh, going through a red robot uh, or someone stealing uh, uh, 10 rents of public monies, there's got to be consequences because if you don't really bring those factors into into play, there's just no way that you can ever really make it as as, as society. So I think for me, my economic policies and the EFF at national level Chalk and cheese, uh, uh, what they are ad- advocating, uh, even the Russians themselves uh, since 20, uh, 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 2017. I think uh, we, we probably have to really take them uh, to Russia to get the, this, uh, the Russian Communist Party, or even China, to really show them what happened after China and uh, after the Second World War, uh, to uh, demo show them how diabolical it is. To try socialist uh, system. Socialist system. The only thing socialism has uh, has achieved since 1917 is mass murder. I mean, uh, that's something that socialists uh, have mastered. Uh, it's it's mass murder. But anything else, uh, I can tell you. Uh, uh, show me any socialist system that has ever worked. So I'm a I'm a, an, an un, unapologetic okay, uh, um, capitalist. I love the system. And on the other hand, I have a strong objection uh, to anyone telling me that you need a state uh, to be involved in the economy.
1: So Herman, where to from here? Give us a little, in a nutshell, uh, what's likely to happen over the next few days and uh, what uh, the, the scenarios might be for you and the Action SA going forward.
9: Well, at the moment, uh, Alec, we're in a really very precarious environment. I honestly don't know whether we'll be able to to form government uh, in in Tswane and Johannesburg. And, and we had an opportunity if um, uh, we, we entered uh, these negotiations uh, uh, with good intent. But um, uh, I don't know. I really wish, uh, really, that we succeed um, but unfortunately i don't really believe uh, uh we are all negotiating in in good faith we are going to be meeting tomorrow um uh, with the da the freedom front plus uh, um the udm and uh, acdp to to see if uh, uh we can come to our senses to really understand that uh, the voters have decided no one gets a majority in these municipalities and see if uh, we can form a government. And as a section, I say we are committed to this process, but we want to make it really very clear that um, we don't want anyone to come and tell us that uh, they are a big party whether you come with udm as w- with one with one counselor. that one counsellor can really uh, make uh, can either it's between life and death so i think my view is that you've got to show respect uh, to to all the parties um who are going to coalesce uh, with you? Once you you, you, you have uh, the, the the parties that think uh, that uh, they, that uh, they are majority, but they don't have majority to, to run. The, government, uh, uh, I think it, it becomes really very difficult. So we'll meet tomorrow and uh, we are great. We'll have a press conference uh, immediately thereafter. I hope uh, these parties will come to the meeting. Some of them have not as yet confirmed whether they're coming or not officially, but I, I hear through that parties that they're coming. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. From our side, we committed to this project. We, uh, we are going to operate in total good faith. But we are not pushovers. That's one thing people must understand. And um, we we are going to negotiate uh, what is in the best interest of the country. We're going to put South Africa first and our political party second.
1: What is the deadline for having a coalition? And, and what would happen, let's just say, with the groupings, the natural allies that uh, you are talking to tomorrow and – if you, we know the EFF and the ANC are not going to work together,
9: yep. they're, and they are not, and then they are not part of this, di- and they are not part of these discussions.
1: And the ANC is well below fifty percent. So, what happens if no they're below, one single they're,
9: they're below forty percent? Way below forty.
1: <laughs> what happens if no single party is, or no single grouping is over fifty percent? How are these metropoles going to be governed?
9: Well, uh, I don't know, Alec, uh, how they're going to govern because if you don't have 50 plus one, you can have a mayor, but uh, the mayor will, 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 unfortunately, for critical um, um, the matters that you bring before council, some of them like um, uh, budget, which is a crucial thing, you need 50 plus one. Uh, so you can have you can be the mayor, but if you don't have fifty plus one uh then you you know your 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 government uh, is um, very vulnerable so so unless obviously uh, the the Cocta minister can decide to f- to go for a rerun which will be unfortunate but if um that's what it's got to be then um, we 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 we'll have to rerun uh, hopefully we might get a different outcome i don't know
1: well, this time you'll have your logo on the ballot box. <laughs> I'm sure you'll insist you, on that.
9: <laughs> I, I, one thing I can tell South Africans, uh, tomorrow in the government gazette, you'll see our logo as now uh, uh, the IEC. The IEC can't play games with us any longer. They played games with us in the, the first round, round. I can tell South Africans tomorrow um, uh, uh, our, our name and our logo is going to be advertised in the government gazette.
1: But finally, Herman, the primary elections that you've had in constituencies, uh, in, in the wards leading up to this election, now that you're going national, are you going to be doing the same process throughout the country? In other words, identifying people within the community who would then have to maybe run off against each other to be the candidate for those
9: Absolutely, Alex. We, uh, we it's something that is part of our constitution. So let's say if uh, there's a um, by-election in pampir start uh, tomorrow, and we we see there's an opportunity, obviously we will immediately um, run um, uh, the invitations uh, those who are interested, uh, and we take the the top three. They go through. Uh, our own internal um, uh, processes including interviews and uh, and so forth and uh, the best three then the community in that ward are the ones who then uh, run uh, uh, the uh, to decide who becomes their ward councillor it's not the ward councillor in our case is not decided by me including come 2029 20, as much as I'm the president of this country, I, I'm not going to automatically become uh, uh, the, the, the the president of the of, of the party to represent us uh, in elections. If I'm interested, I'll throw my head in the ring and I'll go through the same process of independent experts who obviously run our selection process. Do you, primaries-
1: Do you believe that you'll be president of South Africa?
9: Well, uh, firstly, uh, uh, I have to be um, uh, elected uh, by, um, by Action SA members. Because I'll have to obviously throw my the hat in the ring with, with uh, everybody else. And if Action SA people put me forward and I win the, 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 our primaries, then I'll, um, I will then go out and campaign. And people of South Africa are the ones who are going to make that, uh, that determination. Being a president of the country is not something that happens because uh, it's your own personal dream. It happens because uh, you have supporters behind you and that's uh, what we've got to go through and we're prepared to, uh, to work towards that. I think my mission as Herman Mashaba is to, to get the ANC below 30% in 2024. That, that's something that I'm unapologetic about. I want, uh, Alec, and I want you to hold me to this, that we'd like to see NC below 30%, 30% in 2024, and I, and I believe it is uh, possible. You remember, we wanted to take them under 50% uh, uh, with this local government elections. We took them way below 40% in some areas, uh, the early 30s. We wanted to take them under 50%. In the three ma- metros in Houten, uh, the highest they are at 38%, the lowest they are at 32%. So <laughs> now uh, what we are saying uh, officially is that we want to see ANC way below 30% in 2024. And that's something that we know we've got to work towards. It's not really going to happen naturally. Yes, we'll get uh, all the time, God, uh, give, get God to give us uh, the wisdom. But we want to see ANC way below uh, uh, the 30%. And uh, govern on our own or with other parties.
1: Well, this being a Thursday, it's the uh, adieu for the week from the Biz News team. We'll be back again, same time, same place on Monday. Uh, Partners at Fine Music Radio will be entertained tomorrow evening by Carrie's Corner with Carrie Adams. Until then, cheerio.